Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. So um, I don't know if you've ever felt like, you know, you've been uh, too conservative for a progressive party or too progressive for a conservative party. And like, then people guilt you because you're like the black sheep of the family or, you know, you don't like the music they do at that church or this. And so there's a million things we can get guilted by. There's just like there's layers and layers and layers. And it breaks my heart. I've seen people lose sleep and lose their joy. And the worst case is people have lost relationships and lost even their faith because they haven't known what to do with their guilt. And so this series, we're hoping to talk about that. So if you missed last week and somehow today piqued your interest, you're more than welcome to go back and check out our podcast and watch from last week. But have you ever been, and this is a question for you today, have you ever been guilted into doing better? Guilted into doing better. And Shana just touched on that and her story. You know, you always feel like when I look at how someone else is doing, and she referred to as a parent, you know, like, Oh, I'm not as good as them. And, you know, in the age, and everyone says it, you know, in the age of our social media, we have exposure to everyone else's life. You know, everyone shares their highlights and you're there with vomit all over you at 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh, that's just me. Sorry, last night. I'm still dealing with it. But you look at everyone else's great life and they're, you know, having a holiday. I was going to say like, you know, in Greece, but no one's there at the moment, at least that I know. Everyone's in like the Sundays. They're the only people I know, right? So the holiday at the Sundays or at Port Douglas, Anyway, um, and yeah, oh, I, could, I could be doing better. Here's the thing. This is a trap not only can we fall into in ourselves, but we can also project it onto other people where we can guilt people into doing better, into changing, into behaving, into conforming, into a commitment, right? Or into agreeing or even into a worldview. You guilt someone into thinking like you do. Let me ask you this. How does that go for you? Does it last? Does it actually... <laughs> Does it, does it change you for the, for the better? Does it work in the long, in the long term? I, I relate being guilted into something like having something packed with sugar, right? When you, if you like need a little pick-me-up, you know, you eat sugar and kind of get that rush and, okay, gets you through that moment, gets it over that little hurdle, gets you in the room or gets you out of the room. And, but then what happens after, right? The sugar it goes down and no, number one, it doesn't last long. And number two, you, yet you generally feel worse after, right? And then the cycle continues. It's the same with guilt. You know, you might be guilted into behaving or built, guilted into agreeing. It won't last long. And you certainly won't be changed for the better because of it, right? So we've got to learn what to do with this guilt. Guilt left on its own will never change you for the better. Which funnily enough, this is one of the things we believe is a fruit or a result of following Jesus, that your life indeed will change for the better. So we've got to know what to do with that guilt because guilt left on its own will never change us for the better. Now, on that, I said we're going to have a verse that we will do every week. It's like a memory verse. Not only will we remember it for this series, but we want to remember it for life. And so we looked at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman Christians. And we look at this. This is Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And here's, here's what he wrote to them. Remember, he said, God's, and we'll leave it blank for a second, he talks about how God, what God leverages to lead you and I to repentance. And again, if you remember from last week, repentance means life change. You're turning your life around. And so if, if guilt left on its own won't lead to that, well, how does God lead us to that? And if you're someone who perhaps grew up Christian and you've only been checking it out again recently, you've never even thought about it, or maybe you've been Christian your whole life. It's funny what we fill in that blank with, isn't it? We go, well, God's, it's God's anger that leads me to life change and repentance, or it's God's, it's God's great wrath that leads me to, or it's God's holiness that He uses to lead me. But this is not what we see 
from Scripture, the Apostle Paul writes this, it is God's kindness. Can we all say it together? One, two, three. God's kindness. Oh, good job. That's amazing. Yes, you've done. God's kindness. So, so this is the idea. We believe following Jesus, when you lean into who Jesus is, of God's unconditional love, grace and mercy. You know, people are like, well, what about the wrath of God? Yes, God poured out His wrath on Jesus so you didn't have to wear it, right? That's what we say. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, you know? Aren't you grateful for that? I got, I got hammered last. Someone goes, you always preach about how God's this and that. You never talk about His wrath. Well, when I talk about Jesus, I'm talking about God's wrath because Jesus took on God's wrath on the cross. Imagine if you tried to take on the creator of the universe's wrath. Good luck to you, right? That's how a lot of people will guilt you into behaving better. Well, God's watching. Yep, He is. And He's cheering me on. Anyway, because God's kindness. Isn't that, man, if I was sitting even in the back row, I'd be going, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Okay. So anyways, it's just me. You don't have to. It's just me. I'm not trying to guilt you into. Because, and the reason I don't want to do that is because guilt doesn't change you. It just shames you. Exactly. And because it rhymes, we know it's. You guys have been here too long. Woodsy, too long. Isn't that true? Well, I should say this, it doesn't change you, if guilt handled incorrectly, it won't change you for the better. We've all seen what happens when guilt is mishandled and how much it changes us for the worse. And it, it, it shames us. It shames us. And I'm sad to say this because I have been the worst culprit, but we've definitely all experienced it in one way or another. Christian environments can often be the worst at this. And if you're someone here who's just checking church out today, or maybe you're giving it one last shot, you dipped your toes in here, you're watching online because it's safe for you. And by the way, can I say for those watching online, it's super cool that you're engaging this way. You know, we get every single week, we get emails from people thanking us for being able to still create an online environment for a whole lot of reasons. But I know a lot of people, they're not just ready to walk into a church for this very reason. They've had a bad experience. And so they're able to watch safely on, you know, online. And so you're, you're more than welcome to do that. It's super cool to have you. But I've seen, I've experienced this, you probably have too, where we've been guilted into all kinds of Christian virtues. Guilted into it. Right? Guilted into giving. Guilted into serving. Uh, I'll give you an example. I wasn't intending to do this, but just it's worth it because I'm there and it's in my head. Like you might notice, on, if you've ever been to other church before, often on a, in a Sunday environment, there'll be big like preach on the giving side of things, on money, Right? You might notice we more lean to the side of saying, thank you for giving. <laughs> and we show you where you're giving, what it does and where it goes towards, right? And then we, every now and again, we'll do a little teaching on giving here and there. But, but the last thing we ever want to do is have some kind of culture. We guilt people and emotionally twist your arm to giving, to giving that little extra, right? We just, I just don't think that's biblical. If you try and lead by guilt, it never ends up somewhere good. So we don't want to propagate an environment here where we try to guilt you into being more Christian and guilt you to attending church more and guilt you into serving um, but it's like, it's a fight, and I'm trying to differentiate. I'll try and differentiate today what, what I mean by that because it's sometimes super subtle, but because these are often things, hear me, that are important. They're good things. They're like giving is a very, very good thing. Serving a community is a very, very good thing. Being in, these are good things, right? So they're, they're, they're virtues we want to encourage, but you don't want to guilt people there because Jesus never guilted people there. Jesus leveraged his what? His kindness, right? So imagine if we invite, we helped create, for those of you who are part of Suncoast Church and Impact Church, 
Imagine if we create such an irresistible environment for people that they want to be a part of it. That's why our vision statement is not just to be a church that loves like Jesus, but to build a church that the unchurched love. It's the difference between telling someone, you better come to church or you're, and you're going to and this is going to happen. Rather, what if we create an environment that people who maybe don't believe what you believe, but they love being part of your church community. Imagine what God can do then if people get to encounter His kindness. They just might be led to repentance. Anyway, that's my thought on that. Because <laughs> otherwise, if we don't call this out, this could sometimes suggest that Christianity is all about performance and measuring up. You know, Shana touched on this better than I'm doing right now, right? We talk about this whole, I've got to be like them and, or else I'm not in. I saw this, I saw this before as a parent, and this has been like, I've been a student of this for a few years now. Um, I was going, I was training for my very, I'll never forget, I was training for my very first marathon, and I, I went with Trent, that's Shana's, I bet say Shana's wife, Shana's husband, and um, and so I met a lot of his running buddies. And so you run with a group of about 15, 20 of us running early morning on a Saturday. And so over the course of several hours, you can imagine, you know, different paces, you're running next to someone different. So there's all these people are meeting for the first time. And then you just start running and chatting and talking. It gets deep because you're trying to ignore the pain. And so I'm chatting to this lady. Turns out she's the mum of five and she's a school teacher. And I'm like, cool, so I'm hearing her story. And as we just start talking, she starts opening up. She shares about her, what's currently weighing on her. And I'm like, what's on your mind? She goes, this week I just had the worst conversation. I met my, my youngest child is in grade one and I had a meeting with her teacher. And for the record, man, I know we've got a ton of teachers in this community. You guys, particularly through the past six months, I think a lot of parents just realize how an amazing job teachers now do and how grateful they are for, the, for looking after their kids all day long. You know. <laughs> anyway, so thank you teachers, I love you. They're all thinking, wait, what's he about to say now? You know? <laughs> so she, this mom who I'm chatting with is a teacher, is chatting with her year one child's teacher. Does that make sense? And the, her child's teacher is saying to her, you know what? You shouldn't be working. You need to be giving your children much more attention than the attention you're giving them. She's showing all these signs of like that you don't give her enough attention. You should really consider being a working mom. And just this great one teacher is pouring this on this mother. Okay, and so she's running, and, she's, and I just could see her demeanor's down. She's just feeling horrible, she's, and she starts saying it. I just feel like I'm the worst mom, and how am I going to get better at this? And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't stop running. Keep running. But like, I said, hang on, let me ask you this. I said, do you love your children? She said, with all my heart. All of them? Even the youngest? Especially the youngest, you know? I'm like, okay, shouldn't have. Anyways, I said, cool. But I said, and do you try your best? She goes, it's 100%. Why do you think I'm only out here running at 3 a.m.? I don't have any other window. So giving it my, my all, I'm like, you know what? You just need to shut up those opinions that are running through your head that someone else has projected onto you. You're doing great. I could just see her demeanor change. I'm, I'm going to keep going with this. I was like, and I just thought, why did you give this well-meaning? And again, I hope my, dis- my honoring of teachers isn't trying to put a... But I was like, why are you giving your daughter's grade one teacher permission to tell you how to parent? You, you have an internal conviction. Now, if you were neglecting your children, you know, and it could be, you know, take maybe there's a kernel of truth there. You're like, maybe I could, you know, do a bit better. You know. But 
don't like completely let this guilt feeling write you off and make huge aspersions against you that you're a bad parent and you're doing horrible and you, you, know, you neglect your children because you just told me you don't. If you told me you didn't love your children and you weren't neglecting them, then she's got a point, you know. But, so go, here's the thing. You, you now have a choice. You've got to choose what voice you listen to now because you've got this voice here telling you that you're a horrible mum and now you've got mine telling, me, telling you that you're not. So whose voice are you going to listen to? You have to choose now. But here's my question to all of us from that story is what have you given too loud a voice in your life? What have you given too loud a voice in your life? Our lives are just filled with so many opinions and so many ideas and so many convictions. And, you know, that's normal. We, we live in, you know, and we, we add to those voices in other people's lives. It's a thing. But sometimes, this is what I'm going to argue for at least today in this series, is have you potentially, the guilt you're experiencing, maybe it's crushing you and all those things, is it maybe because you've turned up the volume on some voices that should maybe be turned down a little and you need to turn up another voice a bit louder than all the rest, okay? And so to differentiate between these two, these two different, because to explain this, let me, hang on, let me break this down a little bit before I get into it. There's, I find there's like several different kinds of voices. There's obviously the literal voices, which are like someone's voice, and I don't need to harp on about that. You guys are smart enough. But then there's like this internal voice. You know, you know, that, you know that voice inside you can't seem to shake? And it's like that internal judge, jury, and executioner. It's like the biggest cynic. It's your biggest critic. That inside voice. And every time you do something wrong or miss the mark, it's like it eats you up. And you know you've got one. You know you've got an internal voice. When you experience the same thing as someone else, but their reaction to that same thing is different to yours. Like you feel horror, and they sleep like a baby because of it, okay? You know you've got a different internal voice to everyone else. I explain this, okay? I see this all the time in my marriage with Chloe. I love you, sweetheart. I know you're watching. Um, she's good. She had, she's got cold and flu symptoms, so she's been you know, safe. from. Anyway, so leading by example. So we ha- it happens all the time we go to the shops. We'll be at the shops, and Chloe, like, runs her household. Without her, we'd be lost. You know, she makes sure that everything's going on. She's amazing. And so when we're out, like, if the shops, grocery shopping, um, I'll see, maybe one of you, you probably experienced this, I'll see someone at the shops and like my internal voice says, you need to stop for the next five to 10 minutes and you need to chat with them or else I'll leave the church, you know, they'll get offended by something. I oh, know, not you guys, you know, they've already all left. So that all happened, right? So, so I, so I want to go, well, so I want to like chat because I'm, and, but Chloe's like, oh, hi, good to see you, see ya. And she'll keep going. Now I'll die inside. I'm like, Chloe, we need to chat to them. Like, you can't do that. She goes, no, no, no. We have like, we've got a family to run. We've got someone to be, you know, we can't be late because, yeah, but they're going to think, I'm the, you know, I'm going to be nice and polite. She goes, Jono, we've got a family. Like, take your pick. You know, you're going to have an upset wife or an upset stranger. Take your pick, you know. <laughs> so did I tell that correct? If you're on the group, if you're on the online chat, Chloe probably, she's Bernadette saying, you're monitoring it, are you? Okay, good. <laughs> so, but do you, see my, do you see my point? We've all got our own little internal commentator and it might make you feel guilty for something that the person next to you is like, nothing wrong with that. Right? So it's that there, that voice and why it's unique to you. That's what I want to learn about today. And all I want to look at is this one little encounter, one little sentence from Jesus this morning. It was recorded by uh, Luke in his gospel and there's really no, don't even need, I don't even need to give much context for this. Let's just jump straight into it. It says, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but 
They were not able to get near him because of the crowd. So someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. You following? Great. Next slide. Jesus replied to them, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and puts it into practice. My mother and brothers aren't those who are out there calling my name right now who might be blood, at least half blood. Uh, get that? No? Okay. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and puts it into practice. Now, that almost seems a little harsh, doesn't it? Like, whoa, imagine if his mom heard that. You know, I only brought you into the world and carried you for nine months, you know. Now you're saying I have to obey. So it can appear, it can appear a little harsh. So what's Jesus getting at here? It's, you know, my real family members, those who are really part of my family, those who hear God's Word, that, a different voice, and they put that into practice. And you might be thinking, well, what does this have to do with guilt and this, this, this voice internal? I'm glad, glad you brought this up. There's several different characters in this story, but before I get to the Jesus side of things, you've got Jesus' family who are outside, and you had a crowd. That's why they couldn't get to Jesus, because there's a crowd. And these, I think, represents two of the, sometimes the, the loudest influences of the voices that can be internally inside of us, the voice of family and the voice of crowd. Meaning this, all of us were brought up in some kind of family environment. And your family environment had culture, and your family environment has values, and your family environment has traditions. And, and, and also, we, we grew up in environments, like so, so in communities, a school community, maybe a certain um, nationality you know, community, even a, a religious community, a faith community, a sporting community. So all these things help to shape, this is what I'm arguing for at least, help to shape this internal voice that you have. Because whether you knew it or not, what you grew up with helped to shape your view on everything. So you have an internal voice. So if I can correlate that story of Chloe and I in a shopping center, I got brought up in a family that had certain values that like, you know, the way we would have viewed, you know, and Chloe had her family. So now neither is right, but more than the other, right? They're both right. Could some of you sit and sliding with Chloe going, yes, like stop being so, you the family. And other you're like, yeah, no, chat to everyone, you know. None of them are wrong. They're both important. But here I am from my experience saying, Chloe, you're committing like the unpardonable sin. You know, she's like, you want to know unpardonable sins? Just make me an extra five minutes late. Then you'll know the unpardonable sin. So because we, so your environment and your family, oh boy, I hope I'm doing okay, sweetheart. You know, um, so the, is that okay? <laughs> sleep deprived. Yeah, sorry. Sleep deprived. Six weeks in. Doing great. So, um, so you have a view or you grow up with a view or a take or an internal uh, world of, um, of how you view everything. I call this our own built-in Ten Commandments. And we know that the God one, you know, God, God kind of set his benchmark. We read in the Old Testament. I'll touch on that in a moment. But we kind of have God's mark and the guilt that we get from breaking God's law. And we call that sin that's missing the mark. And there's a, that's a guilt we feel. And we obviously touched on that last week, what to do with that. But then there's your own Ten Commandments. And here's the thing. And again, you don't even have to be a Christian to understand this. Before we even project God's standards on people, we have trouble even living up to the standards we have for ourselves. Because we all got brought up in an environment of families. And so you have views on money. You got brought up with views and a take on, you know, um, marriage, on sex, on work ethics, on what success means. You got brought up with views on what good manners is. You got, you got brought up with views on racism, of gender roles, hello, of 
Who's responsible for the clean house? Of what does good time with kids look like? Your identity even, even your faith, right? So, so before you even get to wrestle with me, Jesus said, those family, you're my family if you obey God's Word. Before we can get to God's Word to put it into practice, we can be so busy feeling guilty because we can't put into practice our own Ten Commandments. Right? The ones that we got brought up with. And there's two kinds of guilt I'm finding. There is the guilt we have from violating God's law, but then there's the guilt we can have from the unrealistic expectations of others and of ourselves. And this is where I often think that parent guilt comes from and spouse guilt. Um, I don't do enough. I don't give enough. I'm not nice enough. I'm not Christian enough. I'm not this enough, right? Where does that come from? And who gave you those commandments? Now, again, I'm not for a second, just to close this door, I'm not saying, you know, turn your back on everything you were brought up with and ignore everyone's investment into your life. Listen, you honour your parents, honour your culture, honour those who invested into your life, but obey God. You can honour, you can honour where you're from without having to obey it as like a law around your neck. And as Jesus followers, you get to be set free from trying to find your acceptance in life by not being guilty because you don't live up to the expectations of others. You get to be part of something new now, okay, where you get to have another voice that speaks into you rather than the voice of the crowd or the voice of family. You get the voice of the Spirit of God. And here's what I want to encourage you about this is you can't let other voices be as loud as God's Word in your life. And so what happens is we grew up and you got all these voices about how to behave and how to think and how to live. And when you start coming to Jesus, and this is important to know if you've never done this before, you get the chance to compare then, right? Same thing I did with this woman who was running. She had the voice of her child's grade one teacher. Now she had the voice of, you know, John trying. So she had to compare it. So when you come to Jesus, you get two different voices. You get the voices, these internal voices, these personal Ten Commandments, you know, or you get the voice of God. And He speaks radically different than all other tones and all other voices. Experience this, again, I'm, I'm going to attempt to explain a story that can almost guarantee is going to be taken the wrong way by some people. So I just want to apologize in advance. So several years ago, um, when I was the youth and young adult pastor here, we used to run, uh, once a, a semester, we'd run a night at a local pub for uni night. We wanted to do like an outreach and um, you know, we had a, we've, got, we've always had a great ministry into local universities. So we were like, listen, instead of always, you know, telling people to come to church and we show them our, our environments, we're like, let's go to them. So we would hire out this, um, these, you know, different, you know, pubs in town and put on, you know, these really cool uni nights just by a show of hands. Anyone, was anyone around in those days and attended any of those nights? Yes, a couple of hands. Yeah, cool. Dad, you're like, you're like, well, so the story is we got permission. <laughs> we went, Dad, you were there. No, you were there. Sorry. We went to dad and the eldership at the time um, and, and we, sought, we sought the blessing, you know, can we? And so they said, first time, okay, you can do it, but we don't want any of your team to drink. And I'm like, but it's at the pub. That's kind of the idea. I'm like, no, no, show us that you guys can, you know, lead by example. So we did it the first time. None of our, our team, none of the leadership team drunk at the pub, you know, Cokes and lemon lime bitters. Anyway, and because we did it right the first time after that, the eldership were like, great, you guys, you've shown... So we ran these epic nights. We had many people come to faith in Christ because they're like, whoa, this is like the best. We put on the best uni nights that there were. Anyway, long story short, 
I was then these nights were really successful. The ministry was growing, so I started getting invited to other churches and to you know talk and preach. And then often, you know, after preaching or doing something, you go out to dinner with you know the local pastors there, and I'd ask about what we do, and I'd tell them about you know this ministry that we all loved. It was, it was just going gangbusters, and on <laughs> on many occasions. I'll never forget these moments. The pastor who was hosting me, I was their guest, would hear about what we'd do in the pubs and would just go to town on me and would just guilt me into feeling horrible that we are doing, you know, throw out the words, go into all the world. Apparently go all the world doesn't include the pubs. But anyway, so would guilt us into this whole idea of we run these ministries in pubs. And I was like, are you for real? Like, and they would say everything like, you know, what Jesus would talk about, you know, don't cause these little ones to stumble. And like, we'd put all these, they'd just project all of these like verses in the Bible. And I'm there going, I'm your guilt. I'm, no, I'm your guilt. I feel guilty. I'm your guest, you know? And like several times, like, whoa, like ambushed by guilt. And now I'm like going home going, maybe I'm a horrible pastor. I didn't realize I'm like leading people to their death. Oh my goodness. Like, and we're just, and so I was like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. I see where they were coming from, right? I'm, I wasn't trying to, you know, I wasn't trying to either project my values onto them because then I was like guilty of the very thing that I was feeling guilty that they were doing to me. And also I wasn't trying to advocate for a behaviour that was, you know, unbiblical. You know, we weren't trying to promote drunkenness. We were like, we think you can have a relationship with alcohol that doesn't involve drunkenness, you know? And I think the cushion should lead by example in that regard. And, and again, you know, it's a very serious issue. Many of you here have probably seen the negative effects of what alcohol can have in a family. And many of you might have had a parent or a child whose life and relationship have been really ruined by the abuse of alcohol. So I totally get, I totally get where these other pastors were coming from and engaging. But what I'm trying to get is they were unapologetically, they were definitely not apologizing for it. That's what unapologetically means. Um, like trying to make me feel horrible. And, and I'm like, what are you, are you trying to guilt me into stopping this ministry? Because like we've got a blessing, you know, from the eldership and we actually feel a real conviction from, from God about this. And here's the thing, I get it. You've got your conviction and that's awesome. And your conviction has come from God's Word and your conviction has come from, you know, you, you feel this is, a, this is what Jesus has for you. I can say the same thing. We have a conviction from God to be reaching people where they're at and to be loving, right? So here's my point from that story is don't let someone else's conviction become your law. Okay, yes, get a conviction and yes, get it from God. And yes, wrestle with something. But the moment someone else has their conviction and tries to use their conviction as like a commandment for you, like you must do this, they're leading with guilt and, or you would be leading with guilt. And it just, it doesn't end, it's like sugar. Okay, I agree, no more ministries to the pubs, you know. I walk away from that going, well, now I feel horrible, you know, don't I? Like this hasn't lasted, never lasts. So you've got to get a conviction in something, right? Does that make sense? Because yeah. that's why, like, that's why the terms like, and, found, and I think Shana touched on this again in her story, you know, when you ever found yourself saying, you know, I don't pray enough and, you know, I don't you know, give enough and I'm not, Christian, I'm not nice enough, I'm not this or that, I'm too much of this, I'm not. Where does that come from, right? Now, it's different if you... If you have a conviction from God, and again, remember, how does God lead? He leads with His kindness. He doesn't lead with horribleness. <laughs> so if you ever feel, oh, I feel so bad. Yeah, God, I don't. It's probably not the Spirit of God talking to you. It's probably another voice that's guilting you into change. So Jesus, again, remember He used this term. Let's go to the next slide. He says, 
My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So Jesus here, if you notice the language he's using, he's, it's like family language, right? My mother, my brother. So Jesus starts introducing the idea of relating to, to God, to faith in a brand new way. It's this idea of being in a family now, right? So it's not like attending a religious service or attending a, or being a part of religious practice. He starts using the idea of family, my brothers, my sisters. So he starts introducing this idea of faith within the framework of a family. So as if to say, when you and I come to Christ, you are now invited or adopted into a family, meaning this, okay? Your family of origin and your family of birth, as much as you honour and love them, and I hope you're hearing me, I'm not trying to talk down anyone's cultural upbringing, but here's the thing. You don't have to be bound or held back or dictated to by the dictates of your past, you're now invited into a new life, right? A new family. And you have to compare what your past says to what now Christ says. And you got it. They are two strong different things. And you have one side, you've got the voice of Christ, which is God speaking to you through His kindness, through His acceptance, through His grace. And you've got the other side, which can be your path. Now again, not evil, right? Not, not necessarily sinful, but definitely can be dogmatic, Right? And the idea of dogmatic is that you'll take something that is someone's conviction and say, this is right. Like, no, it's not wrong, but maybe not right for everyone. It might not be universal. And so, so anyway, Jesus introduced this idea of now you're part of a family. And what's amazing is the Apostle Paul in the New Testament in several places leverages a similar kind of language. He uses this term adoption, adoption. He writes about it in his letter to the Romans, which we touched on earlier, his letter to uh, the Galatians, which we'll read in a second. Even the writer of Hebrews talked about this idea of being adopted into God's family, adopted. And this is a really big deal, particularly, and I'll touch on it in a moment, but in, in the Roman world, which is where the New Testament was written towards, um, adoption was hugely significant. It wasn't a big thing in Jewish culture at all, but in, in, by Roman law and in, in the Roman ethos, adoption represented so much. And the Apostle Paul leverages this language to explain how we now have, you know, the, the biological family, but now you're in the family of God. And here's what he says. This is his uh, letter to the R- Romans. Yes, the Romans. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive, so this is a promise from Jesus, when you put your trust for your salvation in Jesus, He gives you His Spirit. And, and I guess if you're not familiar with this concept, maybe not familiar with church, this can seem super weird. One of the easiest ways I find to explain it to someone who's getting introduced to the concept of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost, you might have heard of Him that way, is God, God came to earth in human form, in a place and a time, right? So in, that was the person of Jesus. God closed himself in a human body in space and time 2,000 years ago. But now God is everywhere with everyone at all times through the person of the Holy Spirit. And God invites himself not just to be in one place, but to be in your heart, in your life. And now abides inside of you. Okay, so this is what we mean when we talk about the Spirit of God. So he says, the Spirit you receive, so you receive that when you trusted Jesus, it does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, your adoption to sonship. And again, this is one Greek word, that term adoption to sonship. This is obviously just translated in English. So if you're not, you know, a, a, a boy, you know, you're like, well, I'm not included. It, it's, a, it's a holistic term that means all humans, okay? But just, it's a translation. So the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Okay, so here's the thing. This is what's amazing. You had 
your biological family, you had your community, your environment, and that is one voice we all have for the rest of our lives, and it's in us. And you don't throw you know, the baby out with the bathwater, but you do need to hold up now the, the internal, your internal commandments, your internal Ten Commandments. You need to hold up now to another voice inside of you. You have the Spirit of God inside of you. So you've got two different voices, okay? You get a new internal voice to follow. Notice this, he says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God. So you've got to choose now in life, which voice are you going to follow? And you can either worry about getting everyone in your life's approval. How's that working out for you? Or you'll have another voice which speaks to you from the place of you're already approved because you're adopted into the family and there's nothing you can do that can make you less adopted. Nothing you can do that can make you more adopted. You just, you're adopted. My point is this. We can't always choose what voice we hear, but you can choose what voice to follow. Okay. So, so you're running. Oh, my kid's teacher said I'm a horrible parent, but then this guy here said I'm actually a great parent. In the same way, you want to know what this, the voice of the Spirit of God sounds like? God's kindness leads you to repentance. So how do you differentiate? Generally speaking, I'm not a pro at this, but I'm going to try. Any voice that leaves you feeling rejected is probably not the Spirit of God because you're already accepted. So if you feel like, I'm not in, I'm not a good parent, spouse, boss, I don't work hard enough for Christian, it's probably not the voice of the Spirit of God. So you go, I reject you, right? Because the Spirit will always lead you to Christ, will always lead you to God's kindness. Guilt says, hear this, this hopefully makes sense. Guilt says, I've made a mistake. My dad's going to kill me, right? I've made a mistake. My dad's going to kill me. But the Spirit of God says, called you to say this, I've made a mistake. I need my dad. I've made a mistake. I need my dad. You get that? So that's, that's again, just one way. It's at least what I do in my life when I'm like, got this, what am I feeling? I've missed the mark here. Is this something that's like just guilted because I've got some, I've invented my own Ten Commandment here? Because I feel just horrible. I feel like, oh, I'm out. How do I, wait a second. I know that tone of voice. Doesn't smell like Jesus. Certainly doesn't sound like Jesus. Because God leverages his <laughs> kindness to lead us to repentance. Okay. So the scripture, let's go next slide. Almost done. It says, those who are led by the Spirit, they're the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves to live in fear again. Doesn't that sound like guilt? Have you ever been enslaved to guilt? Right? It makes you feel horrible. It's like that's what fear does. Right? So guilt enslaves. It rules by fear. That's what gives guilt its power. It's fear. It's fear of I'm going to be on the out. It's fear that I'm not going to be included. It's fear that I'm not good enough. It's fear of man. It's fear of the opinions of man. But when you get the Spirit of God, you are set free from being a slave to guilt and a slave to your fear. And it says, you have been, you have, the Spirit you received has brought about your adoption to sonship. So this is what's amazing. Okay, so... Let me, I'm going to do this in 30 seconds. In ancient Rome, this is so good. I hope I explained this well. In ancient Rome, value of a biological child uh, was different to how we hold these days. You know, generally speaking, you know, you've got a child, you, you, you get pregnant, you give birth, like, um, 
I want, you know, even if you wasn't planned, you know, it's like, what a beautiful miracle. It's a blessing from the Lord also. But in the Roman Empire, um, you know, with obviously, you know, the whole, it was a lot more complicated around when someone would get pregnant, all the different things would happen with it. And so, so if you didn't want a child, it was very easy to leave them exposed, meaning to just leave them on the doorstep and hope someone would take it or, I don't know, it's hands, you know, or, or to, to sell it. To get, if, if it was the wrong gender, um, if it was the wrong, whatever it might be, if, you know, even if it, was, if it looked like it had a, you know, physical, if physically broken at all. So the, the whole idea of biological children, not the same value that when Jesus came along and introduced that all humans from conception to death have incredible worth, incredible worth, worth fighting for. Before that, it wasn't like that. And so if you're adopted, this is the language that the Apostle Paul is using. If you're adopted in the Roman world, it meant, this is amazing, that you were desired and you were accepted. So it was strong. It was rich language. Because if you were adopted in the family and someone saw you and they, they saw you in a crowd and they pointed and said, I want you. You are chosen. You are mine. And you couldn't unadopt someone. And the amazing thing is when you were adopted, here's what's remarkable, is um, everything would change, right? You, you were um, you received a new identity. Any prior commitment or responsibility or debt you had from whatever family you're from were completely erased. All debts were erased. You had new rights, new responsibility. You had a new identity. It was a strong, if you were adopted into a family, it said something special about you, right? It said something, you were a special child. But so the Apostle Paul uses this language to show, do you realise how this wasn't a legal thing. It's not like all of a sudden Jesus, the Roman Empire has now signed you over to Jesus. He's using the language as a symbology, right? As if to say, do you realise in Christ, it's the same as being adopted into a family. Your past life doesn't hold sway over you anymore. The debt or the guilt you feel from your past sins or mistakes, it no longer holds sway. You are now adopted into a new family. You are desired by your heavenly Father. You are accepted by your heavenly Father. You might mess up, but it doesn't mess you up out of adoption. You're in, right? And you can't work your way, perform your way into adoption, right? You are chosen, you are called out, you're accepted by your Saviour. This is the significance of coming to Christ. And so it leaves us then as a wrap up today with the question of whose voice then do you and I choose to listen to? And mark my words, this will happen for the rest of your life because you got your past and you got your life that you want to honour, your, your family, your culture, you want to honour, but you have God. Remember Jesus said, you're my family, you're my brothers and sisters. If you hear God's Word and put that into practice. So you have these two different voices and my prayer and hope for you is that you would help to differentiate. You learn to become an expert at the voice in your head. Learn to recognize it, point it out, call it out when it's the wrong voice. And I will not be guilted into this. This does not sound like kindness. This does not sound like Jesus. This does not sound like the Spirit of God. Because here's the thing the voice of guilt always reminds me of my fault, but the voice of the Spirit reminds me of my family, that I am adopted into a brand new family, that I am God's child. And if you're a parent here, when your child, is, they don't, you know, misbehave out of the family when you've got a child. It might feel like that at times, but you don't. And they can't, you know, make arguably can't make you love them anymore. And then we get that as imperfect parents. How much more our perfect heavenly father. And whenever you and I, this is what the Spirit of God does. Whenever you and I have that sense of guilt, say you've broken, maybe not one of your 10 commandments, maybe one of 
God's commandments. And you got that. Mr. Mark, we call that sin. Here's what the Spirit of God does. It says, hey, man, you're God's child and your heavenly Father loves you so much and He's paid the price for that sin. And you don't have to be bound by that sin and you don't have to live under the guilt and the shame of that sin. Why don't you hand that sin back over to your heavenly Father? Come on, turn around. That's not you. That's not the family you were brought into. That's not the best that your heavenly Father has as a free gift for your life. Come on, turn around. You're loved. You're accepted. Come on, turn around. How's that for an invitation? Rather than, I can't believe what you did and you call yourself a, and you reckon you're, and you tried and you, and look what you have done. You're, you're right, okay? Faults versus the family you're now adopted into. So Heavenly Father, my prayer is just along these lines. You'd help us to know when it's your Spirit talking to us and to contrast that with the voice of a past. Help us, Holy Spirit. I am just praying for those that are drowning maybe under guilt and condemnation and shame. I'm praying that we lift off them today, that they would be affirmed, that they are accepted, that they are loved, that they are in the family of God. Maybe for those here today, Lord, who have never known that and guilt has been killing them and robbing them of their joy, I pray today that they would be, their heart to be completely open to the reality of Jesus. So why our heads about here this morning, I want to give an opportunity for someone for anyone or however many there are here, even if you're watching online right now, if you have never received, that's the word we just read there, if you've never received the Spirit of God, if you've never received Jesus into your life, and you might not understand it all, but you just know you've never made your first step to accepting God's love for you and to following Jesus and becoming a Christian. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to take your first step towards that. And I'm going to ask us all in a moment while all our heads are bowed to pray a prayer out loud. But I want you to make this personal for you. There might be hundreds of us here and even more watching online, but I want you, this is just between you and your heavenly Father. And if you today know that you need to make a decision in this moment to accept God, to follow Jesus, and you want to be included in this prayer, so I know who I'm praying with. Could you just give me maybe a quick wave? I'll see your hand. You put it straight back down. Thanks so much, man. That's super cool. Who else is here this morning? And you want to be included in this prayer today. The look across here. And you know today you need to make your first step into following Jesus. Maybe you've done it before, but you know you've kind of been doing your own thing for some time. But today you just feel that nudge, perhaps from the Spirit of God, to say you need to recommit your life to God. The look across here today. Can I just quickly see your hand as well? So I know who I'm including in this, in this prayer. And I'm not to guilt you into that, but if you know the little thing, saying, come on, this is for you, this is for you, this is your moment. Don't miss it. Great. Well, I want us to all pray this prayer out loud together. If you're watching at home and this is for you as well, I want you to pray this with all your heart. Let's say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for calling me your child, inviting me into your family. Today I accept Jesus. I accept His forgiveness and I accept new life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are truly blessed by what you heard. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au.